Y'all may be seated. We have a good group of folks here today in the room, and if you can find your Bible and open it up, we're going to be in James chapter 1. I also want to welcome those that are watching online. Uh, I saw that we had a pretty good group of folks watching online as well today, and I'm thankful for some of the things that the Lord has done over the last year. Here, just in the last week, I've uh, had two people contact me that were watching online for the past year who are wanting to take steps towards baptism. So you just never know what the Lord might be doing uh, in living rooms all around the country uh, as we continue to profess the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, growing up, I didn't really get to know my grandfather very well. I'm always jealous of those that have real close relationships with your grandparents because I didn't get to enjoy that. But this week, I was talking to my mother, and she was kind of telling me about the life of Lashley Lawrence. I think we have a picture of him there. Y'all see any resemblance? Any resemblance there? Uh, you're like, no, no resemblance. But uh, anyway, his life began in somewhat like a fairy tale. He uh, was a football star, played college football, uh, then married a beautiful, intelligent woman by the name of Myrtle Lawrence, who was well-educated back in the 1930s. That was something that didn't happen all that often then. And uh, they got married. They had a little girl who is my mother, and they moved to Wilmot, Arkansas, and he was the principal of the school there. He also had a little restaurant in town, and she was the elementary teacher. But then my grandmother had to have surgery. She developed an infection after the surgery, and then a few weeks later, she passed away, and she was right around, I believe, 24 whenever she passed away. My mom was two years of age, and then like two months later, Pearl Harbor occurred, and World War II broke out. So my grandfather, he had a bullet in his leg so they wouldn't take him in the military, uh, but he wound up going to the shipyards in New Orleans, and throughout World War II, he built ships. And then he married another lady. Her name, uh, I won't say her name, but he married another woman, and he had two other children with her. And so as World War II came to a conclusion, he was married. He now had three little girls. And then uh, the lady that he married, uh, I think she was uh, in love with maybe one of the soldiers that had gone out to fight because one day she just disappeared. And she ran off with uh, one of the soldiers that was coming back home. And so uh, then my grandfather was left with custody of three little girls at that point. He goes back to Arkansas to manage the restaurant that he had there and the restaurant burned down. So here he is, I mean, uh, late 20s at this point, widowed, divorced, has custody of three little girls, has endured, endured World War II, and now also has faced the loss of his restaurant. And I thought to myself, wow, I mean, what a rough way to start adulting. And whenever I was in my 20s, a trial was a tough theology exam and a bad first date, you know. I mean, this guy, he really went through some big trials. But then something dawned on me, and that is that all of us face trials. 
And what we tend to do is we try to establish some type of degree of difficulty scale, kind of like they have in the Olympics for the divers. <laughs> and we try to establish some type of ambiguous degree of difficulty scale for trials. And yet we all face trials, big or small, and the trials that we face are big to us. And so, I began thinking through this and trying to process trials in life, and one of my conclusions was this, that much of our life story will likely be determined by how we respond to the trials of our life. Because there's character qualities that we all need. Character qualities like strength, endurance, patience, gentleness. And these character qualities that we all need to ultimately be successful in life and do the, be the people that God has called us to be, these character qualities are developed when we persevere through difficulty. So let me ask you two questions as we begin our time together today. Number one, what trials are you going through right now or have you gone through recently in your life? Everybody in the room has something, right? Can we, can we all just admit, hey, I've gone through something rough in the last five years? Okay, go. I won't call you out, all right? Yeah, Ooh. yeah, that kind of thing. Okay, here's the second question. What is your mindset? What is your mindset as you go through the trials? Here's my prayer for you today. My prayer for you is that the scripture that we look at today can help you to put on the mindset of wisdom in any and every circumstance. Now let's quickly review. We are in week six of a series of messages that I've been calling Parallel Tracks. And I know the summer is a time where we are very mobile, so let me just bring everybody up to speed with what we've been talking about. I was first introduced to the idea of the Parallel Tracks by an author by the name of Kay Warren, and she was talking about this in the context of her battle with breast cancer. And she said that usually we look at life somewhat like a stock chart. There's good times where everything is going up, and then there's bad times where everything is going down. And those good times we associate with happiness and success and love. Maybe even we associate those good times with the blessings of God. And those down times we associate with sadness and struggle and grief. And for some, they even associate those sad times with uh, the punishments of God or the disappointments with God. And for many of us, our primary goal in life is just to be happy. Last, I just want to be happy. In fact, you hear a lot of this in parenting, that, that what I just really want for my kids is I just want them to be happy. But here's the problem with happiness. Happiness is based upon happenings. And so to be happy, 
I am totally dependent upon circumstances. And if you think about the circumstances of our lives, there are some that we can control, and there are a lot of circumstances that are completely beyond our control. Because of this, happiness is an elusive thing. I mean, I want to be happy. I want you to be happy. I love those happy moments of life where we laugh and just enjoy where we are. But happiness ultimately is a lacking virtue to live your entire life for. So enter joy. And I submit to you that very few people ever really experience joy. And yet joy is one of the continual themes of the Bible. Brother Samson's thankful for joy, aren't you? That's his wife's name. Yeah, yeah. Joy is one of the continual themes of the Bible. Do a study sometime of how many scriptures talk about joy. Joy is deeper than happiness. We can have joy in our happiness, but joy is a little bit deeper. So what is joy? What is joy? I think we have a slide on that. Joy is living your life in faith with the settled assurance that, number one, God loves you as his child. I have been repeatedly trying to emphasize this, that because God's love is extended to you in Christ, you are safe in his hands. Because as a believer in Jesus Christ, you are in Christ for all eternity. Nothing separates you from his love. Most of our relationships in this world are very performance-based. But in Christ, we are God's child for all eternity. Secondly, joy allows me to live with the settled assurance that God is sovereign and is working in all things for his glory. I don't always understand everything, but I believe that God is sovereign, He is in control of all things, and He is working all things for His glory. Rain, am I walking out of the picture sometimes? Is that why you're having to change it? Yeah. I have this little box that I have to stay in because <laughs> otherwise at home they just like see my head, and so that's always disturbing. Thirdly, God is blessing you even when you cannot see it. And fourth, Joy means that I'm able to praise God in all things. Now, look with me in your Bibles to James chapter 1. This has been one of our featured verses in the series, and today our passages in the series. And today, I, I want to break it down a little bit for you. So James chapter 1, and beginning in verse 2. This is a verse that I encourage you to highlight, take notes on, memorize, because this is one of those that at some point in your life, you're going to need this passage of Scripture. The Bible says, Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. The brakes just squealed right there as I read that. Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters. Oh, this is going to be a great verse. When you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be, may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, 
who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. And so from this passage today, I want to talk about three keys to finding wisdom in the middle of the trial. And here's where we're going to begin. Finding wisdom in the trial begins with a considered mindset. He says, consider it, consider it great joy. It is the thinking part of the person that as we go into a trial, there is a mindset, there is a thinking pattern, there is an attitude that we bring to any trial in life. Now, specifically, he is writing to those who are Christians. So he's saying that we as Christians need to consider it great joy when we enter into a period of difficulty. Now, many people bring an Aladdin mindset to our walk with God. We, perhaps we don't articulate it, but in reality, we kind of see God as, you know, the genie in the bottle. And so, uh, you know, you kind of rub the bottle and Will Smith pops out, you know, and, uh, and there's comedy and all this kind of crazy stuff. But uh, we, we see God in that way. And he's supposed to solve my problems. And so I hear this. I run, as a pastor, I run into this over and over again. Something happens in life and God doesn't fulfill all of our wishes. And so our reaction is to get angry at God and run away and ask this question, God, why are you doing this to me? And then we dig a little bit deeper and we say, don't you love me? A considered mindset, though, does just the opposite. Rather than run away from the trial, it leans in to the trial. A considered mindset says, I'm not running away. I'm not going to get angry and talk about how unfair life is. I'm going to plant my feet and learn from the moment. Now, hey, I recognize this. I've lived long enough to have endured some pain. And I recognize this. It's not easy to say, I'm not running. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to plant my feet. I'm going to lean into this problem. I'm going to be stable, stable-minded, stable-minded and stable-footed. And I'm going to try to learn what God has for me in the middle of this trial. Hannah Brincher, she's the author of a book called Fighting Forward, wrote in a recent blog post recently about the vow of stability that monks take whenever they enter into a monastery. And then she kind of went on to expound upon that. And she wrote these words that resonated with me. She said, the vow of stability is a commitment to something which is maddeningly, maddeningly simple and yet impossibly hard in today's culture. A commitment to being exactly where your feet are. Let that sink in a little bit. Making that commitment in our lives that we are going to be in the moment exactly where our feet are. Now, that can have very uh, instantaneous meaning. I'm going to be exactly where my feet are, right? Or it can have extended meaning. 
whatever I'm going through in life, I, I just want to be where my feet are. She goes on to say, be where your feet are even when it's hard. Be where your feet are even when you wish it could be different. Be where your feet are even when hope feels bleak. Be where your feet are content in the mundane and ordinary. Now, don't hear me wrong on this. A considered mindset doesn't mean that we run to trouble. I'm not encouraging you to develop some type of mindset that's like, man, I just love trouble in my life. I want as much pain as I possibly can have. I'm going to just find as much trial and difficulty, and I'm just going to embrace it, and I just love trouble. I salivate at trouble. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But when trouble finds you, a considered mindset leans in and says, oh, there's some good here. I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to be stronger from this. I'm glad this trial is here because you know what? I'm, I'm going to become a stronger person. I'm going to grow from it. And God is going to use this somehow, some way for his glory. I don't know how. But I know that he's going to use this somehow, some way for his glory. Secondly, finding wisdom in the trial requires that we have a growth mindset. Now look in your scriptures with me to verse 3. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces, what's the word? Endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So here's what the Bible says here. This trial, this testing of your faith, that we are to consider pure joy, is going to produce endurance in you. And this endurance is going to lead to maturity and greater stability and patience within your life. Now this is a reality in almost every area of life, if you want to develop endurance, you have to persevere through some difficulty. So back in the day, like three, four years ago, I used to run uh, 20, 30 miles a week, and I, I loved running. Well, I, I don't get to run very much anymore because uh, I kind of blew out my back in the process, but uh, this week I tried to run a mile, right? So I made it about half mile in. I was huffing and puffing. I had to take a walk break, but there's no shame in that. Okay, Dave, no, hey, don't, no, hey, stop. Don't guilt me, okay? I had to take a little walk break, but I, I, I took my walk break. I kept on going. I persevered, ran the mile, 13 minutes, blazing, right? It's 13 minutes faster than you ran the mile. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. Pastor telling down some smack today, right? So, uh, Sore for two days, you know, but uh, I, I ran it. I, I survived it. I, I, I did it. Now, how do you get endurance so that you can go from couch to 5K? You have to continue doing it. You have to incrementally increase your distance and increase your ability. You don't want to overdo it. But as you continually try and persevere and work through that hardship, your body begins to adapt, and you develop endurance. And the same thing happens as we persevere through the trials of life, as we quit having happy feet and running away all the time, and instead we lean in 
to relationships, God begins producing within us endurance. Trials reveal the authenticity of a person's faith. A lot of people talk a big game about God. But when the trial comes, that's when we learn if you really believe what you say. What does our, why does our faith go through a period of testing? Because testing brings about an opportunity to show genuine value. Faith is about giving yourself to God for a relationship. It's about trusting God. That lyric in the line in the song that we sang earlier, Spirit, lead me to a place where my trust is without borders. That's one of those lines that we just sing through, but if you think about the depth of that line, it's an ocean, is it not? Going to a place where my trust is without borders. In grace, God says to us, I love you. And I'm extending myself to you for a relationship. I want to be your father, and I want you to be my child. I want you to know me. In faith, we say back to God, I love you too. I love you too. And I'm also giving myself to you for a relationship. And testing shows that what we say we believe about God is real. It's not just words. It's not just a t-shirt. Persevering through that test is the water test of our faith. I'm told by jewelers that one way to distinguish between genuine gems and fake gems is to place them underwater. And if you have, for example, one real diamond and five fake diamonds, the one submerged, when, the, when you submerge them all underwater, the real diamond will glisten more than the imposters. Some of the ladies are like, I'm going to try that when I get home. <laughs> Some of the husbands are like, thanks, Pastor Lash, I appreciate that, that cubic zirconia. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, a growth mindset says, this trial isn't doing something to me, it's doing something for me. Now let me rewind that statement. It's not original with me, I can't remember exactly where I heard it. But a growth mindset says this trial isn't doing something to me, it's doing something for me. And the scriptures teach us that through the testing of our faith, the Holy Spirit of God at work within us matures us and builds within us endurance and builds within us maturity. And I think God builds maturity in us so that we might be giving people who can help others who are going through difficulties themselves. Those who traverse great pain possess great strength. And that strength allows you the opportunity to help others who are traversing great pain. Again, I do not wish trial upon you. I do not wish hardship upon you. I love you. I love you as your pastor. I do not want to see you go through hard times. But when God leads you through difficult times, when God leads us through difficult times, He is building within us endurance and strength and maturity that He can use for His glory like nothing else. Do you believe that? Say amen. 
Some of you still may be learning that. And that's okay too. Thirdly, finding wisdom requires a prayer mindset. So let's look at verse 5. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. You ever, going through a, ever go through a circumstance in your life, and you just don't know what to do, how to make sense of it? It's overwhelming to you. The Scriptures teach us right here that when we go through those trials in life, we can go to God and ask Him to give us perspective and to give us wisdom. And whenever we go to God, He gives to us wisdom generously and ungrudgingly. He doesn't mock us and shame us for not having all the answers. Instead, He meets us at our point of need and takes us to where He wants us to be. The worst decisions I've ever made in my life were made from a reactionary standpoint. Emotions are real. Emotions are, value, are, are valid. But emotions are not reliable. We can feel something, but what we feel may not be the reality or the truth of the matter. And there are times where someone is going to say something or do something that triggers a reaction in you. You ever experienced that? Someone says something, they don't mean anything really by it, but it, it just hits some nerve that's deep within you. And suddenly these feelings and emotion are just like pouring out of you. The trial can enter your life like a death eater. And the Lord of darkness can begin just raining down on you a storm of lies and fill you with all sorts of emotions. Get your mind around this when it comes to evil. First of all, evil is real. It's not just a mirage, it's real. And evil always deceives. Habitual liars often reach a point where they don't even have to tell a lie to spread deceit. You know, they're really great liars they don't even lie. They just distort the truth. And in distorting truth, control perspective of those that are around them. Jesus said about Satan that his native language is lying. Evil talks in lies and deceit. Emotions are real. Emotions should not be denied. But emotions can deceive you into making an unwise choice. And so James tells us, when you're going through that trial, when you don't really know how to make sense of anything, it all seems overwhelming, and you find yourself lacking wisdom to draw near to God and ask, what are we supposed to ask for? Wisdom. Who are we supposed to ask? God. And how are we supposed to ask? In faith. If you look at verse 6, it says that when you draw near to God, ask in faith without doubting. Don't be that double-minded person. And when we view the trial with a prayer mindset, 
God allows us to take that step back, take that deep breath, and he zooms out and gives us the spiritual perspective, the perspective of wisdom. My go-to example of this is Jesus in Gethsemane. Dealing with the trial of the cross, he goes to the Father. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And if you look at the passage, he does this repeatedly. He enters the garden overwhelmed by the realities of the cross. He exits the garden ready to face the cross, strengthened by the power of the Spirit. They say that uh, parenting is like having your heart run around outside your body. I'm blessed, if we don't know each other well, I'm blessed to be a father of four. And the hardest thing about being a father to me is watching my children go through difficult times, knowing that I can't fix it all the time. I can't just solve their problems. And my dad says it gets worse as they get older, right? Yeah. The problems get bigger and harder and often unfixable. And then there's another reality that I have to deal with, and that is that sometimes my kids go through difficulties and they don't really need me to fix it. In fact, they need to go through the challenge. They need to go through the struggle. I want to I mow down all those problems and just make it easy for them, but sometimes they need the struggle in order to become the people that God created them to be. They need that endurance, and to achieve that endurance, they're going to have to go through the trial. Your heavenly Father does not delight in you experiencing pain. But He does use that pain to grow us in faith, to strengthen us, to minister to others. And my prayer for you today is that whatever trial you are going through right now, or maybe you're in the process of healing and recovering from a very difficult stage of life, Whatever it is, I pray that you might have a considered mindset, a growth mindset, and a prayer mindset to the trial that you face so that God may do his complete work in you and through you. It might be through the course of this message or through the course of this series that God's been showing you some things about where you are Maybe he's leading you to a point of salvation, to a point of baptism. Next Sunday, y'all get to meet uh, Thalia. If you're watching today, Thalia, shout out to you, wherever you might be watching. She's a young lady about to go off to college, and uh, she's been watching for the last year on live stream. And uh, next Sunday, she's going to be baptized in person because she, said, she told me, uh, Last Wednesday, right over here, she said, over the last year, the Lord's gotten a hold of my heart, and before I go off to college, I want to be baptized, Pastor. And so we're going to baptize her. And maybe you have a story like that where God's been working in your life, and you're at that point of surrender where you just need to surrender to Him in faith, to go to that place where your trust is without borders. And so I invite you to bow your head, and let's just have a time with God before we sing 
the next hymn. And if you're at that point in life where the step of faith that you need to take is that trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I invite you just to call out to Him right now. Tell God that you are sorry for your sins and that you are placing your faith in Jesus Christ. Open your heart to God and allow Him to invade your life. And I would invite you to make this moment your moment where you take that step of faith and follow Jesus Christ, where you become a Christian. For others, this may need to be a moment where you take that step of faith to make the decision. Perhaps the decision is baptism. Maybe it's church membership. Maybe the Lord is calling you to something, to a ministry opportunity, uh, to a mission activity, whatever it might look like, and you've been kind of resisting. But now God is leading you to take that step of faith. Know that you can always talk to me. You can talk to me after the service. You can reach out to me, pastor at murphychurch.com. We can share a cup of coffee, share a meal together. I want to be a pastor to you. And I also believe that God has probably put some strong Christian people in your life. And those people are in your life on purpose. And so as you go through these decision points, talk to people. Open up, be vulnerable, and let them know where you are. Because God's work in your heart is not an accident. God is intentionally growing you and maturing you because He wants to use you. And even though you may have traversed some painful, difficult times, you also possess a strength. A strength that can be used. He's not done with you. He's not over you. He has not abandoned you. He wants to use your life for His glory. So surrender to Him today. Father, we bring everything that has happened to You. We lay those events at Your feet. And we ask You, Lord, to bless us, to use us, to mature us, Help us, Lord, to take the pain of the past and allow it to transform into the strength of the present. And Lord, may we see people as you see them. And when those opportunities come to invest in people's lives and to help others who might be hurting, may we not miss them, may we not ignore those moments, but Father, may we reach out to people meet them at their point of need, and realize that this is the purest form of ministry when we meet people at their point of need and we help them. We lead them to the Savior. Help us, Lord, to realize that we cannot solve all the problems, <laughs> but we know somebody who can. And so we find rest and strength just in being your children. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.
Let's stand together, church family, as we sing.